BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Okay, have you ever wanted to build an online following or post that TikTok you've been thinking of forever? Or you wonder, what would it feel like if I was a content creator? But you don't know where to start. Maybe you're nervous. Your friends, family that follows you, are they going to judge you? Maybe you've had this plan your whole life that you were going to be something different. And then now you love scrolling TikTok and you're like, wait, I think I could do this, but I don't know if I should leave my plan. Well, our guest today knows the feeling and she has the answers. Joining us is Jara Bean. She is a social media educator, coach, and speaker who helps her clients transform how they show up online and in their lives. And look, I follow Jara and I love her content. So this is someone that I really respect in the industry, someone that I learn from constantly, that I seek out when I need help. So I am bringing her here to RealPod because I believe she really has value to offer. And I think it could be helpful to anyone out there who's curious about this industry. I'm so excited. We're going to dive right in. Before we do, I want to give a shout out to Anne. What's up, Anne? They said, I listened to the episode on merging finances and I loved it. Love y'all's vulnerability, all the perspectives. My fiance and I will be having these convos soon and it was super helpful. Well done. Bravo. Anne, thank you so, so much. Appreciate it. And best of luck to you and your bae. 
Max and I were super happy to see the feedback from that episode because it was like a hard process for us to have. But if we could air that on RealPod so that your process could be slightly easier, that makes us so happy. And big thanks to each and every one of you listening to the show today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It means the world to have this community here where we can host all types of different conversations with each and every one of them being as real as it gets. If you want to let me know how you're enjoying RealPod, you can leave me a review and you just might be the shout out on next week's episode. Without further ado, let's get started with social media expert, Jara Bean. I literally found you for the first time when I began monetizing my channels and I didn't know like how to properly integrate ads. Like it was such a whole new world for me. And someone was like, you should follow this creator. She's the best. She talks about all like the nitty gritty details and like helps you, you know, understand it all better. And so I've been following you for like about a year and a half now. And I'm just obsessed with your page and everything you put out. Thank you so much. The feeling is mutual. So I really appreciate that. How did you even get into content creation, let alone like being an expert in it to then want to coach people? It has been a twisty, pivoty journey, which I think is really exciting because there's so many different things that you learn along the way that end up being tools that have helped me in my current day. So just to give you a quick overview of those pivots, of those twists yes. and turns. Tell us. I, well, I grew up in New York City, went to school out in LA at USC. I was a graphic design major. Wait, what the heck? Do you know I went to USC? I think I did know that. I feel like I've seen that in your TikToks, but like oh it just gosh. clicked again. I didn't know you went there. Fight yeah. on, though. Fight on, darling. <laughs> I love it. So went to USC, fine art major with a graphic design emphasis, and did that for a couple of years. Was very miserable, was at a very manipulative job that was so stressful, caused me to have a bald patch on my head with oh my hair falling out. It was during that time I also realized I was struggling from social anxiety. I had to go to therapy for that to get help. And it was just kind of this dark time, but I set the scene with that because that was really the catalyst that led me to Instagram in 2015, specifically doing a workout program called, it was called BBG at the time, Bikini Body Guide, led by Kayla Itzinas, who's still very famous and prominent in the fitness world. But it it inserted me into this immediate community and really, it sounds very cheesy, but like immediate positivity in a time when I really was lacking that in my real life. So fitness and Instagram just engulfed me in the best way possible. And that's how content creation and the whole world of social media really started. I always say the first day of like the rest of my life was April 4th, 2015, when I started this fitness guide and I created my first post to hold me accountable while I was doing that workout program. So that's how it all began. And I had some twists and turns with fitness. I became a soul cycle instructor, left that in 2018 to pursue content creation full time, started my social media coaching business in 2019. And that kind of, in a very general sense, leads us to current day where I still very much am a content creator. Absolutely. But the other segment of my business is being social media coach, educator, speak, et cetera. So that's me in a nutshell. 
Wow. Now this probably was not your favorite part of the experience, but my favorite part listening to that is the fact that you graduated with a plan and it didn't work out exactly the way you had expected. And I just think that's so important because first of all, that is a lot of people's reality is like their first few years at a school, they're just not happy. And then there's that like fear of I'm going to restart or what do I do next? So that's the one storyline. And then secondly, getting into social media for anyone is usually comes with risk and uncertainty and like it wasn't the plan. And but my degree wasn't in Instagram and TikTok. So I think it's so perfectly fit that, you know, what led you here was a path that a lot of the clients you probably work with are, you know, scared to take that leap. And it's like, you can relate to that. Very much so. And like I said, I think what's so awesome about allowing yourself to pivot and shift, it's not that all is lost from what you've done before. There's so many valuable skills that we can learn along the way, even if that isn't our final destination or final job or final place. Like I look back on the fact that I was a graphic designer and yeah, I didn't really love it at times. I had that crap job that I told you about that, that really took a number on me, but there are elements of graphic design that have been so helpful for social media or soul cycle. Like I worked my ass off to become a soul cycle instructor. I was going to say, that's not a little, that's not oh a little deal. God. That's a big deal. And then you just, how long were you an instructor before you didn't like it? So I was, so a little detail to the story. You have to audition to become a soul cycle instructor and then go through really rigorous training, or at least this is several years ago in about 2016. And so I auditioned twice, but then I had to go through the 10 week training program twice because I went through the 10 weeks on round one and three people out of 28 didn't make it through myself included. And I was given the option to go through the training again, which I did. I'm actually very glad that I did that. So from like auditioning to training, that was close to a year. And then I ended up teaching for about a year and a half, but I really look at it at like a a total of two and a half years. And I didn't leave because I didn't like it. It was a more of Part of me, it's sort of bittersweet to talk about because it was such a crucial chapter in my life for building confidence, for helping me to face my fear of public speaking, of learning that just because you hear a no one time doesn't mean that that is what should stop you in your tracks if you really want to fight for something. So it was, I look back on it with so much, honestly, respect for myself and and feeling very proud of myself at that time. But I felt that that chapter was ready to come to a close and it was time to pursue the next thing. So that's ultimately why I left. It reminds me of the Steve Jobs quote, you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you can't connect them looking back. That said, now it makes sense, right? Because you're sitting here today, like I got confidence, I got the ability to take risks to speak. However, at the time when you couldn't foresee like what you were going to be or where you were going to find your footing for the next like decades of your life, how did you work through and quell those anxieties for people right now who might be thinking, I don't know where my dots are leading me? Oh, good question. Because that instantly makes me think of the question that we hear all the time of, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I instantly kind of cringe at that question because I have never had an answer to that. Like I never 
really think ahead that far. It's that, when I say that, I'm like, wow, that sounds pretty stupid. <laughs> no, no, Jira, I'm, I'm the exact same. I'm right where you are. I'm right oh where God, you are because good. my whole life as an athlete, I was always thinking like four years ahead, four years ahead, this team, that team, this spot, checking the box never fulfilled me. So now in my life, I want to just like wake up each day and make the most of the day. And I'll hope in five, 10 years, I'm somewhere cool, but I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes me feel so much better that I'm not alone in that. And perhaps that is the way to ease the anxiety is, is removing this pressure that let's be real society and sort of American society puts on us to have a plan and have it all figured out. What's your four year plan? And like, why do we need that? I think perhaps we can feel happier and freer and more fulfilled, not always having to plan every single detail of our lives. I think if we are stuck in that mindset of, of being so rigid and planning everything, then you're missing out potentially on the flexibility and the magic that life brings or, the, or potentially the opportunities that could come and sort of whisper in your ear, but you might ignore that. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. In this episode, I literally mention how my therapist and I are going over how to handle negative feedback. Mine's from people online. Maybe it's from people in your life. Regardless, we all have things that we're struggling with and that we might need an outside source, particularly an expert, right? A therapist who can help us work through those issues. I think the biggest thing is instead of focusing on what the problem is, right? That I'm receiving these negative comments, but like, what's the solution? How do I handle those things? And finding solutions for the problems we have in life is always important. And if like me, you want to be a better problem solver, find those solutions for those problems you're having in your life. Therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash real pod today to get 10% off your first month. This is such a great offer. If you've been thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is truly a great option because it's convenient. You can do it online from the comfort of your own home. It is accessible, affordable, and entirely online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. I know it can be tricky to find the perfect therapist, but actually when I used BetterHelp, I loved the first therapist I got paired up with. They do a really great job of matching you. So once again, if you want to find solutions to those problems that you might be experiencing in your life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash real pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better com slash real pod. So with social media, I was excited to chat with you because a lot of people are fascinated with the world of content creation, with being an influencer and don't even know where to start. I mean, it's just like, there's no guidebook really on like how to do these things, how to be good, how to have these conversations with brands, how to network, how to be smart with your audience. So where did you learn what you've learned that then gave you the confidence to feel like an expert who could then work with clients? I think it all began first with about five years of experience of just doing it myself. I started in 2015, like I said, holding myself accountable with that fitness program and then worked through the different pivots and, and areas of my life till about 2000, end of 2019. And through that, I learned so much just by doing, by taking the steps forward and not necessarily having it all figured out. I still don't have it all figured out, but I think there's this myth that you have to have it all figured out in order to show up. And I, I really think that oftentimes it's, it's the opposite, but 
just by creating content every day and connecting with my community and kind of keeping my radar up for what works and not just what works, but what I also am drawn to and and is fulfilling for myself. And that experience from 2015 to late 2019 of doing it myself and building my community on Instagram and therefore TikTok, that is what ultimately gave me the confidence and maybe not full authority because I think you need to have experience with clients and all that to step into like a full-fledged authority, but it at least allowed me to go from point A to point B and then point C in getting my social media coaching business started. And I'd imagine there's a lot that you then begin to learn and think about the more you work with people, what have been the most common roadblocks or common denominators that you see with these aspiring creators? Most common, I always say that the undercurrent of everything we do on social media, whether you're a content creator or whether you're a business, nine times or maybe 99 times out of 100, it often comes down to mindset. And so people are often worrying about things like, what's the best time to post? What hashtag should I use? You know, should I make a seven second video? And these to me are very surface level issues or perhaps things that we don't even need to worry about. And the deeper things are obstacles like imposter syndrome or self-doubt or comparison or perfectionism, thinking you need to have it all figured out or caring what people think, right? That's a big one, I think, too. Judgment. Oh, God, that's a huge one. And most social media roadblocks boil down mostly to that. And I will also say, in addition to that, time management and kind of making it a priority within your already busy life as well. Those are the two big ones. Wow. The, and those are heavy. Those are heavy. Those are deep. Yeah, <laughs> I relate they to those, are. some yeah. of those too. And when anyone ever comes to me and says like, I'm worried about what people are going to think. I remember thinking, oh, my brother's friends are going to be like, what does Victoria Garrick think she's doing? Like, I remember thinking that, like I was mortified, you know, his friends that I thought were cool. And you just have to go for it. And then it's like, eventually they will have nothing to say because you are successful. And also, I mean, the type of person who would, I would just never see someone going for it on social media and like, and make fun of them or think down on them. Like, cause they're going for it. Like there's a, I respect anyone. And so I think someone who would sit and like criticize or make fun of you for making your TikTok video or making your Instagram, it's like no one ahead of you who's doing better than you would ever stop to cut down someone else. Yes. And on that note, a scenario that I always like to put forth, and it's a very, you know, black and white type of scenario, but it sort of drives a point home of scenario one, you can put yourself out there, you can create, you can show up imperfectly, messily, etc. And perhaps the somewhat negative result of that, because there's also a lot of positive, but perhaps the somewhat negative is, you know, your brother's friend makes fun of you, or you get some mean comments or DMs, or people are talking behind your back or have something to say. Or scenario number two, you stay in the safety box of your comfort zone. You don't create, you don't show up. And yeah, those people are going to talk about you. They're not judging you, but because there's nothing to judge you on, you're not putting yourself out there. So ultimately, which scenario is more damaging? The one where, yeah, you have to deal with some things that people say, and and I'm not going to lie, it sucks. It's happened to me. 
Or is it more damaging and worse to never take that step, to never take that leap, to never post and stay in the safety box where no one can say anything mean about you? Um, are you my therapist? Oh my goodness, I might be. <laughs> because that is literally what we were talking about in session recently because I have this like part of me that always wants to succumb and give in to the hate comment or the troll that I want to delete the video, okay? Or I want to rewrite the caption. Or I want to I want to accommodate this, this, we've come up with this percent. She's like, what percent is it? I'm like, it's probably 20. She's like, okay, that's the 20%. Just think of it in your head. There's always going to be the 20%. And do you want to live your life and do what fulfills you or live as a shell of yourself for the 20% that you don't even respect as humans? I mean, the way you just said that, Jarrett, was flawless. And I'm so glad that we can share that now with anyone who's wanting to enter the field, not someone like me, who's like four or five years in finally realizing that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a good mindset to take on because like you said, you can't live for that 20% that you don't even care about. Like, why are we even taking their opinions or thoughts into consideration when we don't even care about who these humans are, you know, and they're not respecting us? Like, you know, totally. push, that, push that aside. Now, is it too late to become a content creator, to go viral? Did people miss the opportunity? No. Would it be better if you'd started before? Sure, because I really think the best time to start is today or or was yesterday. So if someone is like, oh, I really want to do this, I don't think you should keep pushing it off. The sooner you start, the better. However, I really don't think it's ever too late. One, if we think about a platform like TikTok, in a way, I feel like it's just getting started. There's so much more potential for TikTok. I adore TikTok. And so you can absolutely find your voice as a creator, especially on TikTok, but other platforms as well. And I don't think it's too late if we kind of take the platforms away from it, if we just think about you as a creator, because I always love to talk about this concept of the secret sauce. And the secret sauce is each person's, each creator's authenticity. It's your uniqueness and everyone has their own specific secret sauce. And it exists already. It's not something you have to create. It's more just something you have to unearth a little bit sometimes, kind of like an archaeological dig because it's there. But sometimes we need a little help identifying it and also translating it to social media. And the beautiful thing is, even if there are other people doing what you're doing, someone is going to be drawn to your specific energy the way that you do a tutorial, the way that you give advice, the way way that you speak on camera. And so I always think about that, for example, in the world of, you know, social media coaches and educators, there's a lot of us out there and someone might go, oh, like, I don't really like the way that Jara is talking about these things. I'm not really into her energy, but they might go, oh, wow, Emily, that's my gal. And so that's why there's always room. There's always seats at the table. It all comes down to your secret sauce as a creator. No one else has it but you. I love your term for that secret sauce. It's so freaking true. And I was actually re-sparked or like reawakened by one of your recent videos where you were saying, you don't have to be that groundbreaking. You don't have to be that interesting. You just have to be yourself. Because I've recently felt like not as creative, not as motivated. You know, I'm like very into my current life and and everything going on with family and friends. And so I haven't been filming as much because I had this idea in my head that I have to show up as this certain part of me. 
But it's like, no, I can pop up in the camera and just say, oh, I'm, I'm feeling unmotivated. I'm feeling, and guess what? That's relatable to people. That's interesting to people. <gasps> yes. It doesn't have to be groundbreaking. And that applies to so many different ways of showing up. I think oftentimes as a creator, as a business, we think that every post needs to, you know, be an Oscar winning reel or TikTok, or it should win an award for the caption and the glorious thoughts that we're bringing to the table. And sometimes we'll hopefully create content that is groundbreaking, that is really cream of the crop, super groundbreaking and, and, and just impactful. But I think oftentimes we have to remember that it's sometimes either just the little bits of information, if we're thinking about it more from an educational standpoint, that can be the most digestible for our ideal client. And then for more of showing our personality and showing up in that kind of daily sense, it's oftentimes the more in-between moments, the more routine and even mundane things that can create the most connection and, and relationships. And I'll give you an example. I have a lot of examples, but the one that just popped into my mind I created this little, it wasn't even an inside joke at the time because it was the first time that I posted it right around the new year saying how my new year's resolution is to eat more cheese and crackers. I just went on stories and had a Ritz cracker and a slice of cheese and people thought it was hilarious. I mean, talk about a random, small, mundane moment, just sharing that I'm eating some cheese and crackers. But for some reason, this resonated. I got a lot of people laughing in reply to my stories. I got a lot of DMs. And so for a couple of weeks, it went on as this inside joke. I would all, I was eating cheese and crackers almost every single day and always posting at least one story frame about it. And so cheese and crackers has really nothing at face value to do with me as a social media coach. It has nothing to do with my course or working with me one-on-one -on -one or anything like that, but it does have everything to do with letting people into the little moments, the mundane, the routine. And I have gotten DMs for months now of people sending me funny memes about cheese and crackers, different posts from Brits. <laughs> and it's these small things that stick in people's minds and make you memorable. So when I say it doesn't have to be groundbreaking, it can apply to our educational and informational content, but also in the ways that you share yourself as well. Yes, that was not mundane. That was the perfect example, Jara. And it reminds me of something I do on my page called Vix Fits, which just one day I decided I want to dress better. I want to be more of an adult and I wanted to be more stylish. And I literally just started posting my outfits and calling them Vix Fits because sometimes they are a cute fit and other time they are like a fit. I'm crying and I'm not going out. And sometimes I'll be like, I'm posting way too much about style and clothes and no one wants this from me. And then people will be like, show us the VIX fit. And it's like, I just can't even believe what it's become. Like, and now I get to do brand deals where people want to send me clothes and have me make outfits. And I'm like, what? And that's a brand I would have never worked with before. Such a good point. We never know what we're going to unlock by sharing a facet of ourselves, of our day, of something that we're thinking. It doesn't always have to be something that we're doing. We never know what can come of sharing something that may seem like, you know, oh, what's the point of sharing this? Or this isn't related to my normal content. But sometimes these things, just as you have shown us, can have such huge impact and create community as well, where people want to stick along for the ride and be 
connected to you and, and support you. Now, what about finding a niche? Before you even answer it, I want to give you my hot take because before I even know what you're going to think, I yeah. want to either be like brutally wrong or actually in line with your teachings. So I feel like everyone everywhere says find a niche, hammer a niche. And I'm sure people listening to this who are wanting to get into content, like they've heard that. That's why I want to ask your opinion. Personally, I think that a niche could be a great way to start, but I'm more a fan of like doing anything and everything that excites you because you never know who's going to relate to this video. Who's going to like that. I feel like I have people who love Vix fits other people who don't, but they come for mental health content or they come for wedding content. So I think the more pillars of a brand, the better. What do you think? I love that. I'm totally on board with that. I have a lot to say around the niche topic. And I'm trying to think in my brain where to begin. So I'm just no, and feel free to say, Victoria, you're wrong and roast me alive. I would live for that. No, no, I'm totally on board with that. I think the first thing that comes to mind is because there is so much niche talk, especially on TikTok. Like, I don't think that people were talking about it as much on Instagram and now on marketing talk, you know, every other video is about niches. There's perhaps two big misconceptions about a niche. One is that when you declare a niche for yourself, it is very, very specific and very limiting. So I actually don't think of niches as being this incredibly limiting thing. I like to think about it as giving yourself, if if you're a playground, giving yourself a bit of a fence so you have some structure and some boundaries to play within. Because otherwise, it can just be this free-for-all and something that so many people struggle with, especially if you're a content creator, not a business, is, well, what do I post about? And so having a niche does give you a little bit of structure and a little bit of guidance. But if you want to knock down that fence and make a new playground and play within it, that's your option as well. Like You're not confined to that forever. So that's one thing I think about niches. The other thing is that it is just one part of the equation. There are so many other parts. And so what I teach my students in the first couple of weeks of my program is all about personal branding. Now there's going to be a million different definitions of personal branding and what goes into it. But the way that I teach it is that there are four components. First, we have your why. This is your purpose. This is the heartbeat of what you do. Why are you a creator? Why do you want to create content? Or why are you a business? Why is your service going to impact someone? Why is your product going to help someone? And it can be as easy as one sentence. You could write a whole journal page. I don't care how it comes out, but you need to be connected to that purpose. Number two is your niche. And the way that I like to structure it is kind of a Mad Lib style sentence. Fill in the blank. Pretty easy. I am a blank. What you do. I am a social media coach. I am a makeup artist. And I help blank. Who is your ideal person? Who are you trying to connect with? And then the problem that you solve or the benefit that you offer. I'm a social media coach and I help small businesses transform the way that they show up on social media so that they can use it as a powerful tool. So that's your niche. That's number two. Number three, you're going to zero in on that second sentence of your niche statement with your ideal person and just understand them more. What are they struggling with? What can you specifically help them with? 
with your content or your business. And then number four, perhaps, well, perhaps the most important of your personal branding equation, the secret sauce. This is you. What are you bringing to the table? What are your stories, experiences? What's your personality, your quirks, your humor? And to me, that's really the glue that holds it all together. And so if we look at that as this range of all these four personal branding elements floating together, you can see that you can actually have a lot more flexibility when it comes to posting on social media. For example, if I was to post within my niche, I'm probably going to be sharing some tips about social media and mindset and messaging. But if I think about my secret sauce, that also allows me to post about my 14-year-old blind and deaf dog with dementia because that's something that's part of my life. So that's Mm -hmm. the other misconception that it's just the niche and nothing else when I look at it within the context of those four personal branding elements. Okay. Such valuable information. So first of all, thank you for sharing all of that. I hope people were taking notes. Now, secondly, I want to not push back, but I just want to like dive into the second part of that a little bit, because if I sit here as a successful content creator and I try to fill in those sentences, I mean, what comes to mind or what I think applies right now is I am a relatable girl or I am an honest girl, vulnerable girl, and I post about my life to make people feel entertained and seen. Like, does does that work? I love it. Perfect. (laughs) But see, okay, I'm glad you said you love that because I think when people hear these statements, they do feel this need to be like, I am a TED Talk speaker and I help people get out of their depressive episodes. It's like, it feels like a lot. Whereas for me, genuinely, and maybe when I started, my sentence has changed so many times. It could have been, I am a student athlete and I help athletes own what they're going through and feel more courageous in their ability to be honest about those issues, right? Whereas now it's like, I genuinely just view myself as I am an online person and I post about my life and people feel seen and entertained by it. And it's so basic. No, and, and that's beautiful because even though you might feel that's basic or general, you just compared it to an earlier potential niche statement for you at a previous time in your life. And those are two different niche statements. So even though one or you might feel that it's sort of, oh, this is a little like general or broad, it's different compared to something else that you might be doing. So it's just a little bit about giving a little bit of guidelines, a little bit of direction, because what you described is very different from someone who is a fashion fashionista creator and sharing her outfits and deals and thrift shopping, you know, two very different niche statements. And the other thing I'll say about that is that nothing is set in stone. So when you're coming up with your why, your niche statement, your ideal person, even your secret sauce, because we change as well, it's all in flux. And that's the other misconception, I think, about niche statements or, or niches in general, is that you come up with something and then you're just stuck in that forever. You could write one thing today and another thing next week. You know, maybe I wouldn't want you changing it every single week, but you can always <laughs> come back to it and revise and edit. You can always change it and allow it to flow with you as you change. Shifting to the monetization and money part of social media, I'm going to ask you some questions I know the answer of just because I, you know, this is important for people. First of all, can you really make money 
as a content creator and support yourself. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so many ways to do that. I would say the primary way that I feel I make money as a content creator is through brand partnerships, whether that's posting on Instagram or TikTok. And I've been doing that probably since late 2015, 2016. And, you know, many of my colleagues do it too and friends do it. So yes, very possible to do that. And what sort of money are we talking? And I, and of course I can answer these questions too. Like I am full-time self-employed, so enough money, right? But people literally cannot grasp how it works. And I, if you're in social media, you're like, whoa, like we are in the cave of wonders in Aladdin and Jasmine and every, no one believes this is a thing, but oh my God, every it's crazy, right? <laughs> it is. It is. So in terms of money, if I'm thinking just within brand partnerships and not another aspect of my business, I would say for the last, gosh, I'd have to look at my, all my docs, but probably at least the last three years in the six figure range in the, in the lower ends of six figure. I'm not, you know, making a million dollars with my brand partnerships, but doing well in that lower six figure range. Right. And that's phenomenal. And it is something that I think is mind blowing when you kind of enter the monetization world for the first time and see a brand say, we'll pay you this for a TikTok. And you're like, what? That for a TikTok? You know, it's something people don't, I think, fully get. And it is a little taboo. Like, I don't, the only reason I don't get into like money numbers, and maybe I should, but there are certain things of my life that I do not want everyone on Instagram knowing. And I almost feel like nitty gritty finances is one of those. But then I'm like that conversation about women talking about how much they make. And it is so important. And I want to be a part of that. So it's something that I am still exploring. Do you feel like it's taboo to talk about money and social media and rates and stuff? You know, sadly, I do. Like, as soon as you say that, I kind of feel the feeling in my body. And I'm kind of like, ooh, like, I get nervous to share that as well. But in my mind, I don't want to feel that way. But I do feel it in my body. I I would feel nervous to just come out and say, that's how much I made for a post. Or that's how much I made, made this year in terms of specific numbers. And I guess I have that feeling in my body because we've been conditioned, you know, to not talk about these things, especially Mm -hmm. as women as well. And and I wish you, I do see some changes and and I'm always so appreciative when people are open about it, which then makes me feel like, oh, I I shouldn't have this reaction. But yeah, I do kind of feel a little bit of resistance to, to sharing that just to be totally transparent. Yeah. And I, and I totally feel the same way along the lines of, brand deals and finances and rates, do you think people need management to be monetizing their content? How much does management optimize what you're earning and that you're not being taken advantage of? And what are the downsides? I have a bit of a, perhaps a biased opinion because I've had management for so long. So I have had a manager since very early days, maybe 2017 or so, maybe a little bit earlier than that, I just kind of jumped into it because everything was so new and that seemed like the best option. I will say that I've had really wonderful experiences with management, so I've never regretted that decision. And the upside is that they can do all of the negotiations 
and the nitty gritty back and forth and not just money, but protect you legally as well. So it's not just they can negotiate a higher rate, but there's so many different bits and pieces that goes into a brand deal, whether it's usage and perpetuity and and all these things that I, because I've had management for so long, I don't necessarily feel equipped to take on myself. The downside is that, well, the biggest thing, most management companies are taking 20%. I personally feel with my managers, I love them so much that it's totally worth it. So I don't really bat an eye at that because they bring me so much value and they bring me partnerships as well. I do talk to a lot of people who have management who don't bring them partnerships that they as an individual receive the inquiry and pass it off to a brand to their management, which is very normal, but you would also want management to be bringing you deals as well. But does someone have to jump into that right away? I definitely don't think so, even though that's what I did myself. I think there are so many resources out there to start learning the ropes yourself. I have a friend who is wonderful. Her name is Lisette. You might even want to bring her bring her on the podcast because the influencing and content creating is her expertise. And she teaches content creators how to negotiate, how to price, et cetera. So if someone came to me, I'd be like, Hey, if you're just starting out, go, you know, hire my friend Lisette and learn from her and do what you can for yourself to begin with. And then maybe the next step is management once you get to a point where you can't deal with the, the emails and maybe you could be negotiating a higher rate, that kind of stuff. Very true and very great advice. What are your thoughts on waiting to monetize until you've really built a solid foundation? Max worked for Gary Vee previously and he knew a lot of that strategy and was just big on telling me, you know, wait as long until you absolutely need to monetize, like hold off so you can have this community of people who really value what you say and they're not desensitized to lotion and sunscreen yet and really trust you and are going to stick around because I think people kind of kick themselves in the leg when they have 10,000 followers and they're posting like a feed post ad for, let's be honest, like I don't know, $500. Like it's not really worth it to me with 10,000 followers to do that. What What are your thoughts? Unless you literally need the money and you don't have another job. Oh yeah. That's, that's a tough one. Cause I'm like nodding my head hearing you explain your reasoning. So I'm very much on board with that because in order to get to a point where you're monetizing, you do need a community of people who are interested and leaned in to what you're saying, to what you're posting about. And so that part is is so crucial and and it really should be protected. You don't want to break that trust and you want to be showing up in an authentic way. I do think that if something comes to you and it's very much in line with what you're doing, you know, if you're talking all about finance and then the lotion company comes to you, like maybe that's not the most aligned thing, but if there's some sort of credit card or banking app or whatever is happening in the finance world that you already use and feels very aligned, I wouldn't necessarily want someone to pass up on that opportunity just because it feels too early. So I think it really always comes down to, are you being authentic to yourself, to your brand in general? And then is this partnership aligned with who you are and your personal brand as well? That's such a good flag, right? Is that it really does matter if it's aligned with what you're doing. And 
uh, that's something I even feel really passionate about still. Even now where I get these much bigger deals coming and it's a lot of money, this just doesn't make sense. Like I've told my management, I'm pretty much never going to do supplements. Like I just don't take them. The only supplement I do love to take is Athletic Greens. I literally Same. love it. And so, yeah, they're the best, right? And so I I will do Athletic Greens, but I just am not going to be someone who's doing like protein X powder and a way like I just don't even bring them to me because it's always going to be a no. And it's, you know, so I think that is important too. no matter where you are in the beginning or the end, stay authentic to who you are, because then people are also you want them also to buy the product. So the brands want to continue to work for you and pay you. And if you just kind of oversaturate your advertisements and then people know you're not even using these products, I mean, the whole thing crumbles. Absolutely. And that's that's a good point, too, about consistency. You don't want to be posting it all or posting multiple sponsor posts all the time as well. So it's authenticity and also the amount that you're taking on, too. Mm-hmm. Now, with the little time we have left, I just want to touch on boundaries, burnout, and balance. The three B's, baby. I mean, how do you deal with that? Because I struggle too to like put my phone away at night. But then what if we're cooking and Max says something funny and I'm like, this is a funny Instagram or a TikTok? I mean, how do you recommend creators set up boundaries so that they don't burn out? Oh, it's so hard. And speaking from experience over the last seven plus years, speaking from experience in terms of, I don't think I have fully figured it out yet. It's, it's one of the most challenging things when your life as a content creator, everything could be content. Everything is something that we can talk about. And like, for instance, everything can kind of appear on, on stories. Maybe not everything is an in-feed post, but you know, if you're cooking dinner or walking your dog, like anything could potentially be content. So there is this pressure to constantly have your radar up, constantly create, to put out new, new, new. And that ultimately leads to not feeling good as a creator. And probably the energy you're putting out is being perceived as as drained and burned out as well. So it's such a careful balance. And like I said, I don't think I figured this out yet. But one thing that comes to mind that has really helped me is uh, taking some days off. It sounds so simple, but this is something I never used to do before. I remember back in New York, because I live in Austin now, there being a time where I took 24 hours off from stories and it was like, oh my God, I haven't posted in 24 hours. And now fast forward, I'll take the whole weekend off or I won't post for, you know, five days straight. And when I say I don't care, it's not that like, oh, I don't care. It's like, I have to just know and be okay with, it's okay to take space and time for yourself if you need it or or, or just because. So really just knowing it's okay to take time off. Social media will always be there, whether it's a day, whether it's a week. And then also the other thing that comes to mind is just keeping more. I have found that over the last year or two, I have kept more of my life private than I used to be. I share a lot. It's not like I've just completely done a 180, but I've noticed that I've pulled back in a few ways of of sharing every single thing that has gone on throughout my day. And that has also been energizing as well, just to keep more things to myself. And if I change my mind and want to share it, I absolutely can. But just drawing a boundary that some things can be more private than they used to be. Mm -hmm. It's very true. 
following that up and selfishly, I need this advice from you. I struggle with the biggest days in my life where I want to be the most present are also the days that I know will perform the best on social media. That excites me and it does fulfill me. But then it's also like, what about living in the moment? So how do you approach those big, big life moments? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, if there's anyone who can help you that day, take content, whether, you know, it's a partner or a friend or something like that. For my wedding, I'm literally having my social media specialist. I'm literally flying her out and she's going to be covering the whole day on my stories. So I don't have to. And then I'm not on my phone. And then I'm and then I am getting the content out. And I it's like everything's seamless, right? Perfect. I love that. So if anyone else has that option, definitely do that. Because, you know, we're laughing about it. But on on those big moments, whether it's a wedding or a big birthday or, you know, an event you're speaking at, whatever it is, there are often other people there. So if you do have someone on your team, an assistant, that's absolutely something that you can find some help with. I think the only other thing that comes to mind is, can you just segment off if you're the one having to capture segment off? So, okay, I'm grabbing this. I don't have to post it right this second. I can, you know, maybe when I'm sitting down for lunch or at the end of the day, put a little edit together, but kind of capture, put your phone away so that the capture and posting isn't all happening within the moment and sort of extending the time that you're not truly in the present. Mm hmm. I love that. Jared, thank you so much. This was so freaking helpful and eye-opening. Like, I want to send this. Anyone who ever will say, I content creation. I mean, listen to Jared's episode. Like, you covered every base. You're so smart. You're just so human with it too, you know? Like, you understand that emotional piece of it. I know you are a hot commodity in the content world, so I appreciate you being so generous with your time and wisdom. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.